You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. It's one of the best weeks we have in this state all year. Mainly with Southerners, yes. We like our turkey. We like our Thanksgiving. We like to make sure that we count our blessings. We will do that. And then who's going to be counting their blessings around 630, ah, 6, 630, Saturday afternoon slash evening as Alabama takes on Auburn. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, once again, we've got Noah at the controls. Lars, kind of a dreary, damp Tuesday, but uh, my spirits aren't that way. No, hey, uh, we got a lot of exciting things coming up and headlined by the Iron Bowl on Saturday. And uh, Matt, as I look at this game and we're going to examine it from every possible angle over these next uh, few days, um, you just look at the Alabama offense and how much that offense has changed from the first five games of the year. Right. And specifically a, a microcosm of that change. And the most important part of that change has been the play of Jalen Milroe. In the first five games, Alabama averaged 195 passing yards per game uh, with six touchdowns, three interceptions. But then starting against Texas A&M on October 7th, the Crimson Tide now averaging 257 yards passing over the last six games, 13 touchdowns, just three interceptions. And clearly the key has been the improved play of Jalen Milrow of becoming more comfortable and also the improved play of the offensive line starting with the left tackle Proctor right the freshman that we've talked a lot about on on this show um, you know coming out of Iowa and trying to make the adjustment from Iowa high school football to starting left tackle in the SEC and Matt, I, I really think Caden Proctor eventually is going to become an absolute star. And I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he becomes a first-round draft pick because you just see the faith that Alabama and Nick Saban and the coaching staff had in him by their refusal to move J.C. Latham, who is going to be a first-round draft pick, from right tackle to left tackle. So anyway, the offensive line now is playing, I think, with much more cohesion, they're playing like, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the five fingers on, on one hand. They're just all, all playing together. They're all operating in synchronicity. And so um, it, you look at how good Alabama has been these last eight, ten quarters or so, and the fact that they have uh, played complete games uh, both on offense and defense, and we're always waiting for that at the beginning of the year. Like Alabama, just they could not put together two good halves of football. Well, they have done that consistently now. And then on the other side of the coin, you have Auburn, right, Matt, coming off arguably one of the top five worst defeats in program history. Yeah, it still has me um, very, very puzzled how you can look just like you're a contender, a real contender at Arkansas. That game was on the road, and they just slammed the Hogs. And then they come back, and obviously a, a trap game. Uh, they were looking to Alabama, and they were also, um, I, I think, had their chest bowed up just a little bit too much following the way they played against Arkansas. And then, boom, 
you know, we talk about the 45-point difference between the actual score and the line going into that game. It's a hard, I mean, I don't mean to beat on the Tigers here, Alabama-Auburn week, but that's a horrible loss. And I felt the hangover Monday when we were listening to Hugh Freeze. And I think they got to shake that baby off. Of course, nobody will fire you up more than Alabama. And nobody will fire you up more than Alabama at Jordan-Hare. And while I think that that's probably still hanging around, maybe not midweek, but when it comes to blowing the whistle at 2.30 on CBS Saturday afternoon, I think Auburn and their horrible loss to the Aggies will be in their rearview mirror. I want to add a couple of things to what you were talking about with the Alabama offense, and rightfully so with Milrow and the offensive line, and, and talking about Proctor a little bit more. Uh, they Through the season, they kept giving him a little bit of help. Oots would come over, uh, Dupree would come over, running backs would come over and give him a little help. And I'm not saying he doesn't need it anymore, but he dang sure doesn't need it as much. And as a result of that and the consistency and some changes in the plays, Roberts has been outstanding up front. And now Alabama's offensive line is playing like the offensive line that they all talked about during the SEC media days. You remember that? We're going to make people pay. We're going to make people not want to get up. Those quotes. Well, now they're there. And also, kudos to the wide receiver. There is no Devontae Smith, Julio Jones in in this lineup. However... Uh, by committee, this has become a very formidable offensive receiving core. It's led by Jermaine Burton. I think it's uh, incredibly important that Alabama gets three the ball, gets him a lot of targets, particularly early in this game. And I also think the way Alabama has started using their running backs, uh, they now have running backs by committee. It was uh, Jason Roydell the first few games of the season, but we see Miller get more snaps. Haynes got a few more at the end of the game against UTC. But uh, then Young is now carrying the ball, too. So I I think that uh, Tommy Reese, the reason, there is a good reason why Nick Saban nominated him as the Royals' assistant coach of the year. And five games ago, nobody would have voted him. So you've just seen this Alabama team progress and progress and get better and better and better. And if they show up man on man, they're better than Auburn. I know that there's the Jordan hair jinx or whatever that's called, but usually the team with the better players that doesn't make the mistakes wins this game, and that's what I expect to happen on Saturday afternoon. Matt, you've covered many, many Iron Bowls, and you've covered a lot of games in, in Auburn, as have I. What is the magic of that place? Um, I, I think, and this, this is not new, um, this goes back to before they were being played on campuses. Um, Auburn fans have just always had a really good feel for Alabama. And really, when they did split it up and start playing another, Auburn realized that they could have a factor. And Auburn realized that they could actually influence the game. And I know other teams do, and Alabama's done it this year. But they believe, here's the deal, Auburn. Uh, Lars, Auburn believes they can't affect a game. And in a sense, the Auburn fans have confidence in what they can do. And that confidence is going to be overwhelming Saturday afternoon. That's why it's imperative that Alabama jumps out and and grabs a hold of this one early because you keep Auburn around in the fourth quarter, as we know, at Jordan-Hare Stadium, 
there is uh, there's no telling what can happen at the end, i.e. 10 years ago, pick six. We got a great show lined up for you, Lars. We're going to talk with Mike Rodak, Alabama, 24-7 in just a minute. And then our old buddy, Ben Tamborello from Shades Valley High School, who played for Pat Dye and when they were rebuilding the Auburn program back in the 80s. He's, uh, he's an All-American center. Went on to play for, guess who? The Eagles. How about the Eagles last night? Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more, too. But, Lars, we go to break. You got a final comment before we get to Rodak? I just wanted to ask you real quick, what's the difference between a typical Alabama fan and a typical Auburn fan? Is this a joke? Uh, no, I want to know what your thought is on that. Can you can you summarize it in I a can't. sentence or less? Um, or no, yeah, I'm sorry, it's, three it's sentences. Not very flattering. Or less. It's not very flattering to either one. But I, I I think that. Uh, at, Alabama fans tend to be arrogant. Auburn fans tend to be paranoid. That's the negative side. <laughs> I love okay. it. And, and is, the, is the big brother, little brother's uh, yeah. dynamic a real thing, or is that just... It's a real, uh, it is a real thing. There's no question about it. <laughs> now, you can ask Auburn fans, and they don't believe it. I'll tell you what. You know who changed that dynamic dramatically? Patrick Fane died. Tamborello will talk about that, and I can go back into those 80s and just... Auburn fans should salute Pat Dye every morning they get up because he changed the way they think. Hey, I can't believe how spot on your analysis was there in one word to describe each fan base. Oh, my goodness. uh, On the other side, God, they're great. They're all great. It's the greatest rivalry on the planet. Uh, We'll talk with Mike Rodak about that as we get this Tuesday edition of Big Noon Sports underway. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build Build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky will stay mostly cloudy this afternoon, the high 69. Colder tonight and tomorrow, the sky mostly cloudy. The low tonight 46, the high tomorrow 54. Thanksgiving Day Thursday, partly to mostly sunny, the high 56. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. It is the Big Dune Sports Network. Matt Coulter, Lars, we got Noah, and we've got Mike Rodak from Bama 24-7. And uh, we're going to throw some questions at him as we get ready for the Alabama 
at Auburn game, CBS 230. First of all, Mike, Thanksgiving precedes this wonderful game. What's your favorite side? I'm asking all of our guests this week. I mean, we all, maybe we don't all love the turkey, but other than turkey, what is your favorite dish? So I, I would say stuffing. Of course, now I live in the South, and I need to learn that, I guess, dressing is the uh, the proper name, uh, as my in-laws have taught me. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll stick with stuffing. You know, I'm sure. I, I don't know, Lars, is, if that's uh, where the line is, you know, where that gets delineated. <laughs> I don't know I can't, if you're Mike, from I can't, stuffing territory. I can't believe you brought this up because uh, Matt and I do a podcast, and we just were talking about this same issue, or I was, uh, about an hour ago. Yeah, in Nebraska. Right down to the vernacular. It's stuffing. It's stuffing. And, uh, and, and I was just musing to, to Matt, like, why do they call it dressing here? I mean, I put ranch dressing on a salad. I don't put it on a turkey. Exactly. Um, I think it dresses the turkey as a side dish. Is that, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to, I, I really don't know, and I've been in the South all my life. But I've also, um, we, we've called it stuffing, too. So I don't know if that's just indigenous to Nebraska and Massachusetts. Where are you from again, Mike? Massachusetts, home of uh, the original Thanksgiving. Uh, That's right. Where, where they serve fish instead of turkey. But that being aside, I have to ask you one more, and then we'll get down to, to the real turkey of the week, and that's the game. Um, do you eat cranberry sauce or gel or whatever they do? Yeah, yeah, the stuff that comes in a can. That's yeah. uh, another Massachusetts delicacy with all the, uh, you know, the cranberry bogs up there. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they float in the water. You have to harvest them every fall. So, yeah, definitely I've eaten it. Right. You wait, you harvest? Wait, hold on. You harvest cranberry out of the water? That's right, yeah. they they're, It's a cranberry bog, so it's a very shallow pond. And the plants grow in the pond, and then they, they float at the top of the water. And so there's a machine that will kind of drive or, or I guess, swim through the water, if you will, and it, they get harvested. Um because they're floating on top of the water. Lars, you don't remember that uh, drink commercial where the two guys, and maybe it was Ernest and Julio or whatever those guys (laughs) that first started making the wine coolers, they were standing with the waiters on in the middle of a cranberry pond? Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I do, I do. Um, I'd rather eat a cranberry raw than have it in that gel. I I was mentioning, too, and I'll eat cranberry, the ocean spray cranberry, sauce right out of the can i mean i I love it so much wow all right (laughs) i'm gonna try and redirect here if i can mike um do you think that the unbelievable loss to the aggies of new mexico state is gonna damage auburn i mean they are their feelings are hurt or will it have the opposite effect I think it will have the opposite effect to an extent. Um, you know, I think it could certainly help reinvigorate them. Um, I think it could help Alabama, or it could help Auburn in the sense that maybe Alabama looks at that and eases up a little bit mentally. Uh, I know this team has been good about not doing that, you know, with the Kentucky game in particular, but I think it might be human nature to kind of look at the scoreboard of, of the New Mexico State game if you're an Alabama player and um, just you know, subconsciously, you know, not do what you need to do. So I think that's something they have to guard against. So, um, you know, I, I do think there there could be a positive effect for Auburn, but I think it's still limited. 
you know, I think there's still a ceiling on what Auburn can do because they're just not a very good team. And, you know, it's it's still the first year of a rebuild. They're still very deficient at quarterback. They're deficient on offense in general. Um, so, you know, psychologically, I think it, it could be, strangely enough, a benefit for Auburn. But still, talent-wise, you know, football-wise, I, I still think it's, uh, you know, there's only so much, only so far it can go. Mike, you're in a unique position to answer this question because you covered sports in Boston. You're from the uh, Massachusetts. You're from Massachusetts, as you just mentioned. What is the difference between the Alabama Auburn rivalry and the Yankees uh, Red Sox? And if you had to rank them, if you were forced to, who would? What, which rivalry would you put on top? It's it's a really good question. You know, I think it's. Um, and it's I think it's they've both changed a little bit over the years I think 20 years ago um, you know 2003 2004 especially that Red Sox Yankees robbery was was something else and I was you know living it um, you know middle school high school at the time and you know it those were some tough games in terms of there was fights I mean there was the whole Pedro Martinez with um, Don Zimmer um, and there was A-Rod and and Bronson Arroyo and uh, Jason Veritek hitting A-Rod. Um, you know, there's some real bad blood. And it's kind of cooled down. I mean, I think both teams not being as good. And I think this past season, if I'm not mistaken, they finished fourth and fifth in the AL East. Like, as the teams have gotten worse, I think the rivalry's kind of died down a little bit. Um, and the other thing about Boston, too, is that as that's happened, and as I think the Red Sox have become a little bit less of the big story there. Other sports kind of pick up the slack. And you have other pro sports, you have Celtics playing really well, the Bruins have been really good, Patriots haven't, but you know, there's there's other teams to kind of turn to. So I think the biggest difference here is that no matter how good Alabama is, no matter how good Auburn is every year, it's there's nothing else to turn to here. There's no other pro sports. Nobody's gonna be watching UAB or Jacksonville State. Like those are the two teams that everybody cares about every single year. That's the biggest difference is that there's not a, a backup plan if the, if the rivalry is not there on the field, if the, if the teams aren't good. But I, I would also say that, and I think Michael Casagrande just wrote about this for AL.com, like the rivalry's cooled down a little bit, the Iron Bowl rivalry, in the sense that 10 years ago, you know, Auburn might have been a top 10 team and you might have really been playing for something. You might have been playing for an SEC West title. Um, this year, it's in the last three, four, five years, it's probably been this way. Like, Auburn hasn't been very good. So, yeah, there's still that threat of the upset. There's the threat of anything could happen. But you're not seeing the two two top ten teams playing each other. And I think that, to some extent, has cooled down this rivalry a little bit. Uh, but, again, there's not – I don't think it can fall to the same extent that the Red Sox Yankees rivalry has. Okay. And, uh, yep. Let's break it down from a, from a football standpoint here. Um, obviously, Alabama's the better team. Um, is there an area where you think Auburn might have an edge? Uh, I mean, crowd, environment. I think the fact that the game's on the road, I, I, like, I think it's the non-football stuff, like the psychological stuff, like we said before. You know, if Alabama, for some reason, takes them lightly. In terms of football... I don't know if there's a phase of the game where I would give Auburn the edge. Um, you know, I think last year we saw Auburn's running game obviously perform really well. That was the 
I think the most rushing yards against a Nick Saban defense, if, I, if I'm correct, with Alabama. Um, you know, like maybe there's a chance that Robbie Ashford can kind of go off like he did against Georgia if he gets into the game. And, um, but, yeah, the thing is, like, Alabama's run defense has been really good this year. They've shut down some really good rushing offenses, Tennessee and LSU and Kentucky. Uh, they didn't really shut down Jaden Daniels, but you know, Auburn doesn't have Jaden Daniels. So, um, I don't know. They're, they're a very limited offense. You know, defensively, I don't think their front seven is kind of what it was a few years ago with some of the you know, higher Brown draft picks they had, Derek Brown, for instance. So I don't know if they're going to be completely shutting down Alabama's offensive line like they did two years ago. And, you know, it was, whatever it was, five sacks in the first half in the 2021 Iron Bowl and 68 total yards Alabama had. Like, I think Alabama can do more than that against this defense. So I don't know if they have an edge in terms of any of the phases of the game. I think it's more just the the aura of, of Alabama going into Jordan Hare and how much that affects them. And so what do you think the pathway is for Auburn to pull off the upset? I think you need to get Alabama to do some of the things that they did wrong early in the year. And in particular, you know, I don't want to say that Alabama had played poorly at all, uh, you know, on the whole in the A&M game, but they still had nine false starts. You know, they had some issues with sacks in that game. I think they gave up four or five. Uh, you know, they pulled out the win, but it wasn't the cleanest game. So I think it's it's sort of that formula for Auburn where if you can get the crowd into it, um, Alabama starts – with you know the pre-stop penalties again, if if they start giving up sacks, if Jalen Murrow is not making the right decisions, if you have bad snaps from Seth McLaughlin, if if there's a drop, um, like it's it's kind of the stuff that irritated fans early on in the year. You know, penalties, calling back touchdowns, things that they've really cleaned up. You know, the last three or four games, but if you can bring some of that back and, and have the crowd um, start rattling that offensive line, get Caden Proctor rattled on the left side, get Seth McLaughlin to have some bad snaps, you know, get Jalen Morrow to start, you know, making some bad decisions, then um, I think that's probably the formula for Alabama. It's, it's you know, it's going to be holding Alabama's offense or turning back the clock on Alabama's offense to something that it hasn't been in, you know, a month or two. And um, here's like a, a, a what if. If Alabama wins on Saturday and if Alabama goes on to beat Georgia, is there any way that uh, you see possible that the committee keeps Alabama out of the playoffs? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's very much possible. And that's, you know, obviously it's been a story for a few weeks. And I think it's only growing as a story as, you know, Washington continues to win and as Texas continues to win. Those are the two big ones that Alabama would need a loss from either of them, and they haven't gotten it yet. So right now, I think you know ESPN has their analytics, and if Alabama wins out these last two games, 54% chance is what ESPN has right now makes the playoffs. So it's still about 50-50. And, um, you know, again, you're going to need a loss from either Texas or Washington, or you're just going to need the committee to say that Alabama's better than Texas despite the head-to-head loss. Got a question as the uh, power, the playoff, Rankings will come out tonight. Got a question on some movement concerning that and the Associated Press had a couple of moves. Don't know that they really affect Alabama. And I want to ask about style points. Mike Rodak from Bama 24-7 is on Big Noon Sports.
Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Lars Matt. Our guest is Mike Rodak from Bama 24-7. Tell everybody real quick before I get this question for you where um, where you can be found, how you can be read, and all. Yeah, on uh, Bama247.com, on uh, X, at Mike Rodak, and hopefully nobody comes to my house, but they can find me there as well if they're really mad at me. <laughs> it depends on what you say in the next 10 minutes. Um, Mike, um, there was movement in Associated Press. Ohio State jumped over Michigan and Washington. And this is the one I want to point to both you and Lars. Washington jumped over Florida State. Is that because they lost Jordan Travis? So it's tough to tell exactly without knowing, you know, without polling every single AP voter that changed their vote. Um, I would assume yes. Um, now, in terms of whether that's going to get replicated tonight, on the playoff rankings, I would keep in mind, you know, what the playoff committee did two years ago after Brian Kelly um, left for uh, LSU and Notre Dame was still in the running at that point. And essentially what they said was, yeah, our policy allows for the, the unavailability, I think is how they worded it, of a player or coach to impact your ranking, but not until the final ranking. And so up until the final ranking, they still acted as if Brian Kelly was the head coach, essentially. They didn't dock Notre Dame for that. Uh, you know, obviously Notre Dame wasn't playing the conference championship that year, so they weren't playing a game, um, but they almost waited. And I think the same thing is really going to happen here is they, the committee can say they don't have Jordan Travis anymore, but um, really that's something that would come more into consideration later. Um, and I think it's almost like a wait and see situation. You know, they just won, even though they're down early in the game for North Alabama, you know, they still won huge over them. And so you can see and just kind of wait how, how the backup plays. Um, so I don't think it's going to change Florida state's ranking. I, I would still be surprised if they moved down tonight, as far as Ohio state, Georgia, and Michigan, like, I think that's all going to stay the same, you know, and I think that obviously kind of works itself out next week with the Ohio state, Michigan game. And, you know, Georgia will work itself out one way or the other with the Alabama game. So um, I honestly would not expect any real movement, you know, tonight in the top eight. Mike, uh, speaking of Ohio State, Michigan, what are, what are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a different feel this year because I think Ohio State's a little bit more limited, um, you know, quarterback-wise compared to what they've had the last couple of years. And they're, you know, a, a better defense and – Obviously, Michigan's going to have the cloud of their situation hanging over them, but they have the better quarterback in J.J. McCarthy, which um, I don't think you've been able to say for a while in that rivalry. So it's 
it's almost a reversal of roles. Um, Michigan's defense is really good too. So I don't know. It's, it's always a good game. Um, obviously Michigan's kind of had the upper hand lately. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure Ohio state fans would say that's because they were cheating. I'm sure there's an element of that that applies. I don't think it tells the entire story. Um, so as always, it's a good game. I think the, you know, you certainly the winner will go into the Big Ten championship game as the heavy favorite, and I think everybody will expect them to win and go to the playoff. I think the question would still linger of what happens to the loser. Um, I think the loser would still need a lot to happen around them to get into the playoff. I think they would need, you know, Texas to lose. They would need uh, Washington to lose, and they would probably need Georgia to beat Alabama if you're if you're even going to consider the Ohio State Michigan loser um, getting into the playoff, but. Um, it's still, again, it's one of the possibilities out there, and I don't think they're completely eliminated, whoever loses that game. want to ask you a question I've posed all week. <clears throat> it's only Tuesday, but it's about Iowa. Uh, they're going to play for a conference championship. If you look at the NCAA offensive statistics, out of 133 teams, they are last in offense. Last and they're 9-2 and two playing for a conference championship. Mike Rodak, have you ever heard of anything quite like that? That's wild. It's uh, It defies kind of the logic of, again, offense being the dominant force in college football these days. And, you know, ultimately I'm sure, you know, it, it only gets you so far, you know, having that bad of an offense. And I'm sure that they'll lose the conference championship game and, you know, they'll be the same sort of uh, – headlines in Iowa as there usually have been. And obviously, you know, they've already moved on to Brian Ferentz after this year. So, um, and look, this is partly, I think, the reason, it's really the big reason why these conferences have gone away from divisions. Um, you know, the ACC already did it. The Pac-12 already did it. Uh, the Big Ten's doing it next year. And the SEC's doing it next year. And the NCAA has allowed them to do that with their rule change two years ago. Is If you're going to if you're trying to get the most teams into the playoff, you know, at least one, maybe two, then if you have a division winner like Iowa, that's clearly not your second best team in the conference, then what are you doing? Um, obviously the two best teams in the big 10 are Michigan, Ohio state. And you could argue the third best team is Penn state. So that's why divisions are going away is because you're elevating a bad, not a bad team, but you're elevating a lesser team in Iowa over you know, the loser of the Michigan Ohio state game. So uh, this is the last year of that, but it's, it's, this problem is going away, I guess is what I'm getting at. Going back to the iron bowl. um, What has most impressed you about the development of Jalen Milrow? And do you recall seeing a quarterback make such a, a, a leap between the beginning of the season and now here we are nearing the end of the season? Um, not at Alabama recently. I mean, I think Mac Jones got better in his year as a starter. Um, you know, I think Jalen Hurts has obviously gotten a lot better from when he was the starter at Alabama. I don't know how much it happened during that year. Tua was always really good. Bryce Young was always really good. You know, you go back further than that and, and dissect it. Outside of that, like, I mean, um, nothing comes to mind. You know, recently, and yeah, it's it's been it's been really impressive. I think the biggest thing to me is is third downs. Um, you know, because there's been a lot of times when you're like, all right, it's third and thirteen, third and fifteen, and there's no way Jalen Murrow is going to make that throw, and he does. And uh, you know, he finds the guy, he's able to 
to buy time. He's able to make the right decision. Um, you know, he's gotten better with not taking the sacks. He's gotten better with, uh, you know, not getting intercepted. Like the mistakes have gone down and, and the good plays, the successful plays when they've needed them have, have gone up. And, um, you know, a lot of that's because of his improvement as a passer. And, you know, it's something a year ago or even when we were talking about him all summer was, all right, how good of a passer can Jalen Novero be? Well, there's been a lot of plays when they've needed it. He's made that throw. And that's, that's obviously a credit to him. Does Alabama need to win with style points against Auburn for all things sacred in the playoffs? I think so. I think that certainly would help, um, especially given Auburn's resume, you know, taking a hit with the New Mexico State game. It's uh, You need to beat a bad team by a lot. I think that always helps. Well, all right, uh, Mike, we appreciate your time as always. Who are the players that are going to be available today? I'm just always curious. Yeah, a lot of uh, local kids. I think it's Roydell Williams from Birmingham, Kool-Aid from Birmingham, and Tim Keenan from Birmingham. So Iron Bowl week, they like to stick with the uh, you know, the local kid. Thanks for your time, Mike. You got it. All right. You're listening to Big Noon Sports with Matt, Noah, and Lars, and we will return. Hey, we can take phone calls here. Your thoughts about the Alabama-Auburn game are very welcomed at 205-342-9904. On the game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Tuesday edition of the game, we'll feature Mike Dettelier, WWL, the Big 870, a Dreamland score prediction contest. We'll talk about Alabama. We'll talk about Auburn. We'll get your thoughts as we lead into that big game. Right here on the game, starting at 2 o'clock, Tide 100.9, WTBC, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Built to win. Touchdown, Alabama! Built for championships. Throws intercepted, Alabama! Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide battle Auburn in the 88th Iron Bowl in the season finale. Our coverage begins at 11.30 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky will stay mostly cloudy this afternoon, the high 69. Colder tonight and tomorrow, the sky mostly cloudy. The low tonight 46, the high tomorrow 54. Thanksgiving Day Thursday, partly to mostly sunny, the high 56. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Noah Haynes at Controls. We've got Lars Anderson and Matt Coulter. We're taking your calls as well on Big Noon Sports at 205-342-9904. And let's do that. We'll take Steve first out of the break. Steve, how are you today? Gentlemen, rise and shine. It's Thanksgiving Eve. Eve. <laughs> how are we? Good. You're doing great. How are you doing? Yeah. Man, I couldn't be better if I were twins. Hey, Lars, let me ask you something. How do you rate Nebraska's season? <laughs> was it was it better than you thought, or what you might have thought, or a little, a little uh, worse? It, it, it's more of the same. You know, yeah. I, I I actually like Matt Rule, but yeah, you know, it, it's it's cliche to say, but you got to figure out how to win. You got to learn how to win, and yeah. Nebraska's okay. been in basically every single game, but can't get it done. So, well, you know. that's 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 really kind of why I ask. They, I, I I keep up with them for reasons other than just you. I have family uh, committed to that, and I I just sort of have one eye on them and one eye on the CBS game, Alabama. But I'm just curious what you thought. I, I, I appreciate, no, I, I appreciate that. It, and the thing is, there are a lot of similarities between the fan bases of Alabama and Nebraska. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, they, and oh, we yeah. just, our whole identity is wrapped up in Nebraska football. And, man, we have yeah. been out in the wilderness now for over two yeah. decades, ever yeah, since well, Bill Callahan. Well, I, I think once it gets started, Katie, bar the door. That's just my thought on yeah. That's what Matt Rule could probably do there. Listen, yep. uh, uh, Iron Bowl, Iron Bowl. Um, you know, I don't. Here's what I think. <laughs> uh, what I know about Hugh Freeze is you better get Auburn now. You better get them now. We, we, you know, we're lucky. The first year is is uh, away. They're the team that they are. And we're lucky that we got his second year at, at in Tuscaloosa. After that, all bets are off. I think I think Hugh Freeze is, is probably that good of a coach to have him really competing by his third year. You know, that's a great point. And why do you think Hugh Freeze has had success against Nick Saban? Got to remember, he's two and three in his career going head to head with Saban, which uh, most coaches can't say. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think he is uh, a proven offensive commodity, uh, a great offensive mind. Uh, you know, I put him up there with with Kiffin, with um, Sark. Um, I don't know that much about um, uh, Freeze. Just what he did at Ole Miss. There's no telling what Ole Miss could have been had things. Take you know not turn the way they did. He did obviously a super job at at Liberty uh, with what he had and and in that what group of five so or whatever they were. But I just think he's a good coach. I think he's a above average coach. I think he's good for the SEC in terms of being competitive. <clears throat> 
You know what, guys? To hear you both talk about Hugh Freeze and Matt Rule, these programs are kind of alike right now, aren't they? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a rebuild job. But, um, but how do you see the game playing out on Saturday? Well, um, I, I think like most teams that play Alabama, that, that you know Alabama's going to get everybody's best shot. That's that's been discussed ad nauseum. But uh, Auburn's not going to be any different. I think they will. I think they will be. There will be a fire lit under them in the first quarter, first part of the first quarter. But they're not going to be able to sustain. Um, I think if if they do get out to a good start, it's gonna it's gonna end quick. Um, Alabama has really got to strike soon and often. <clears throat> they want to keep the crowd out of it. But I think the crowd situation is what I've always said. You know, it's not a big stadium compared to Alabama or Tennessee. It's just intimate enough to be very intimidating. It's uh. And especially if you're a first-timer down there, you know? Um, yeah. Everybody can tell you about it, but there's nothing like being there. And I say this, for, and you guys chime in on this, as good as Caleb Downs was returning punts, do you put a true freshman back there to return a punt against Auburn at Jordan-Hare? I think that's why Caleb Downs was out there on Saturday because uh, – well. They, that, that's my that's my opinion. Yeah, you're going to have Caleb Downs out there. What, what do you think? I, I don't honestly think it'd be worse than what. And I like Kool Aid. I think he's a great. He's a top, you know, top pick in the, in the NFL draft. He's a great defensive back. But personally, I don't think it could be any worse than what he's been in the last few games. I, something's got in his head that he just can't catch the ball. I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know why. Maybe because he's dropped a few. Yeah, well, I'm not trying to be. No, I no, I get it. It, it. it probably only takes one to get into your head. Well, I think hey, he's had two you. this year. Go, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, well, well, let me ask you one more thing, and I'll let you go. Uh, you know, I don't want to over overlook the Iron Bowl, but we do have one more game, regardless of the outcome. Uh, Georgia. Let me ask you something about this Carson Beck, and this just in: he's pretty good. <laughs> was he was he a was he a high four or five star or was he like oh yeah the the, yeah. the kid before him Nick no he was a, a high high uh, highly rated I don't know if he was four or five but I believe he originally committed to Alabama Matt uh, oh, I'll have to double check that I think but, he com- I, I don't know if it's Alabama but I do believe but, he I mean Nick somewhere. Saban desperately wanted him. And it's crazy to say for a team that has won back-to-back national championships, but they've upgraded at the at the quarterback position. I mean, there's just no question about it. And Setson Bennett, you know, uh, great college player, great college player. But this kid is an NFL quarterback who can make throws that, Stetson Bennett couldn't ever dream of making, and man, with uh, with a healthy Brock Bowers, uh, th- this is a dangerous team. And I mentioned this to Matt earlier today. I- in my mind, when you just analyze all the teams in the country, it's Georgia, and then there's a big drop 
to everybody yeah. else right now until but proven that drop, otherwise. That drop until proven is only otherwise. that drop has yeah. only occurred in the last two or three games. Would you agree? Because Georgia, yes. about yeah. midseason, they decided, and even when they didn't have Bowers, they really got better. And now they, that they, they've got him back, they're really to be feared. And, and it's almost they're, as they're, if they're, it's almost as if the Bowers injury helped this team in, well, a, yeah, in an I odd way. Yeah. It galvanized them. They're 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 the closest thing I can come to as a robotic team. You know, maybe they don't start out very 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 fast, but they don't blink. They just keep coming at you with with no mal with with with, with just no concern for anybody else. They just keep coming after you. Like I said, almost in robot form. If the first guy doesn't get it done, there's a guy waiting to do it. Who does that remind you of, Steve? Yeah. Who does that remind you of? That program was built in the likeness of Nick Saban, right? We all know that. Oh, God, yeah. That's that's got it. You know, Saban is imprinted on Georgia just as much as you did Alabama. So let's make that very clear. Yeah. Steve, as always. I'm, I'm, hey, listen, favorite yep. side dish. I got, I'm going with Spiegel the whole way. I love that guy, and I'm not stopping now. Okay. Uh, green bean casserole. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, wait, hold on, Steve. Explain yep. the magic of the green bean casserole. It's French cut beans. It's cream mushroom soup, and it's uh, fried onion things. So, on yeah, the top. It's, but it's, so it, it's, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to no, it's, put this it's, together. It's not a hard dish. It's not for for me. It's, it's not a hard dish, and I and I could and I'm like him. Give me a little turkey, maybe a little ham, and green bean casserole. Put me in a corner. I'm I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, you guys have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you, have Steve. a great holiday. Hey, great call. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. As always, Lars, well, you're beating up on my man Stetson Bennett again. He Who hasn't you had, Beck has not had near the success that Stetson Bennett had. Hey, Matt, who would you take again? Who would you rather have quarterbacking Georgia in the SEC championship game, Stetson Bennett or Carson Beck? Based on past performance, I'd say Stetson Bennett. No. Oh. Man, you're just picking on the little guy again. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Carson we, Beck doesn't have that automatic turn it on win at all costs, figure out a way to do it that Stetson Bennett had. I don't think he's developed that yet. Physically, is he a more gifted quarterback? Absolutely. But he doesn't have near the resume that Stetson Bennett Oh, I, I, I agree. No, I agree. Yeah. But, but you've but thrown I, all that out the window. I'm just saying, who would you rather have? I said Stetson Bennett. I know. I, I'd, I'd take Carson Beck. I mean, have you, have you have you been watching this kid? Have you watched? Did you watch Bennett versus Ohio State? Yeah, yeah. Would you rather have that guy in that situation? Or would you rather had Carson Beck? All right. Point well taken. Okay. Good enough. No, he won. No, he won. I mean, so how how can you go against it? And he won at the highest level. Um, and I I have so much respect for that kid uh, for what he does on the field. Now his off the field stuff is. Uh, What's up with that, Lars? I, I I honestly don't know, so I, I can't comment. I mean, I uh, I don't know. Uh, his behavior has been a little erratic since uh, winning that national championship. 
Um, and I, I, I don't know what, what's, what's going on there. There could be, you know, some issues that again, it, it, it would just be speculation for me, but, um, boy, talk about an athlete who maximized their potential. I mean, that's Stetson Bennett, (laughs) right? Oh, absolutely. Um, Georgia's 27 in a row now. Win one more, they'll tie Alabama from uh, actually two years. But anyway, Robbie is on the phone. You want to get to him before we go to the top of the hour? Hey, Robbie. Yeah, let's carry him over. What's going on, guys? How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing okay, you know. A little rain, but uh, mid. I'm ready for Thursday evening and then the big game Saturday. So, uh, talking with Robbie Glenn, former Alabama baseball player. What was the rivalry like? for uh in baseball going against auburn uh i mean it's a it's alabama auburn it was always a rivalry but i don't think it was as you know hated as so much as football but uh but it was a big rivalry because we actually played each other more back when i was there we uh we would play in dothan we would play in montgomery and then we'd play the home and home so we got to know auburn really well uh they they would just pack it out wherever we played if we played in Huntsville or wherever. But those were just brought crowds out to little smaller stadiums. But it was fun. Um, but yeah, still hated though. You wanted to win. Hey, what's your favorite side dish at Thanksgiving? I'm still old school. You know, I, I'm the honey baked ham. Just put me some mashed potatoes, gravy, some green beans. But I do like casseroles. You know, if they're made right, um, sweet potato casserole, green bean casserole. But I just like me some soft, homemade, fresh rolls, bread, and then so I can taters. You know, top it up with a biscuit. You know, the the gravy and the you just keep on eating. But I'll eat all all day. What about dessert? Have you got a favorite pie? Yeah, well, you know, now I'm getting a little older. I got to watch it. But banana cream pie was always my go-to. But I had to have fresh whipped cream. I could not have meringue. That it had to be fresh whipped cream, like freshly made. You mean like you get it out of the little milk cart and put it in the bowl and get out the egg beaters? Yeah, they they yeah, used to do that. The mom and them do. They yeah, yeah they they mix it up and you know you lick the bowl and there fresh whipped cream and and it, it was awesome. Great stuff. Hey, Rob, you want to hang on? Take another question or two on the other side yeah, of the break. Sure. All right, good deal. Uh, um, that's Robbie Glenn. He will be with us also next hour. You're gonna love this. Ben Tamborella, former Auburn center back when they were rebuilding the days of Bo and all. He'll talk about the upcoming Alabama-Auburn game as we continue on this Tuesday edition of Big Noon Sports. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles, here's Kevin Wired. Major League Baseball news, multiple outlets reporting, and the Padres have now just made it official. San Diego hiring Mike Schilt 
to be their next manager. He had a 252 and 199 record as manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, and he takes over for Bob Melvin, who left to manage the San Francisco Giants. NFL news this morning, the Steelers have fired offensive coordinator Matt Canada after Pittsburgh had the 28th ranked rushing offense in the NFL this season. And in Monday Night Football last night, it was a rematch of the Chiefs and the Eagles as Philadelphia wins at 21-17 after being down 10 at the half, but they got a couple of touchdown runs from Jalen Hurts to move themselves to 9-1 and the number one seed in the NFC. The Chiefs now 7-3. They are the number two seed in the AFC side of the playoff race. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is indeed on a Tuesday afternoon, halfway through the show. Appreciate all of you dialing us in from Aniston Gadsden, the Tuscaloosa area. Thank you very much. We'll go till 2. And in the meantime, uh, we're talking with Robbie Glenn, former Alabama baseball player and a, a true dear friend of the show. Robbie, give us your view um, as we just take all opinions. Um, what does Alabama uh, need for to the do? game? Yeah, yeah. What does Alabama need to do? Alabama needs to do what they've been doing. I mean, they've just been lining up and getting stronger every game. Didn't matter who they were playing, and that was obvious when they played Chattanooga. An inferior team, again, a trap game everyone keeps talking about, and what they do. Line up, first play of the game, 56-yard bomb. Everybody's clicking. And, you know, so they they know what's at stake. They can't lose again. They know it's at Auburn. Now, Auburn's going to play much better than what they did against New Mexico State. We know that. The crowd will be into it. But when you get beat like you did, something's not right there. Like, when they got knocked in the mouth, their good players should have turned around and started playing. So that tells me they don't have those big dogs that they usually have there to step up. Yes, they will play better, but once Bama gets into them and starts playing the way they do, I think they're going to see it's coming. And I just don't think they have the fight, personally. Not when you get beat that bad. In your own experience of playing baseball at Alabama and then uh, spending years in the minor leagues, you end up, when you get beat by what on paper looks like a clearly inferior opponent. What does that do for you in your next game? Just in terms of the, the athletes, right? Just in terms of the, 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 the players, not, not the coaching staff, but the players, um, do, do they, is it your experience that you, you tend to come out sharper or is it that this kind of malaise has set in on the entire team? Well, again, you know, not being in the locker room, I, I'm thinking there's a lot of finger pointing, maybe uh, some ill feelings around the, the locker room. People didn't show up. Um, so, yeah, you, you're trying to get your motivation back. It is Alabama. But if if you don't have guys going to war with you, I, I just I don't know if they're going to, in a week's time, could turn around that much and be ready for what Alabama's bringing. Not to mention, you know, Alabama knows what – what it's like playing there. I mean, I know we got some freshmen on the line. They're going to see a crowd and some noise that they haven't seen, but when it's all said and done, we're playing 10 times better ball than they are right now. And uh, I think it's going to show. I hope it shows early. We don't let them hang around and give them a little hope. If we hit them in the mouth quick, they're going to have flashbacks to Saturday of getting beat by New Mexico State. Absolutely. It's going to get worse. You just nailed it. That's the finger yep. pointing will start if it's fourteen nothing, you know, ten minutes into this football game. 
Yeah, and then the crowd and, will be out of it just like it was yep. then. Yep. But, so, again, it's, a, it's at Auburn. <laughs> it is at Auburn, and it's around. It, it, Auburn's going to play better. That's that's a given. And, you know, Freeze has always got something for saving. But, you know, come on. This game means too much. There's no way Bama – they'll be ready for everything he's got. And I don't think they, they're they ready for what Milrose is going to do. And I like the way uh, Tommy Reese is calling plays now. It's, it's giving him a lot more confidence, too. Milrose just looks like he's picking people apart now. So, and then get ready for Georgia. Robbie, I asked Matt this earlier. What, what is the magic of that stadium down in Auburn? I, just the way they've set it up. I mean, you know, they love their they love their team. You know, win or lose, they're gonna they're gonna show up. Um, I don't know how they've got it set up to why why it is so loud. But it is the loudest stadium. I mean, you've heard all the players. You heard Jay talk about it. Something about that stadium is just the loudest place you've been in. That you know, that's saying a lot when you go to LSU at night. Um, Auburn's just it's deafening when they get into it. But like I said, fourteen nothing quick. Like Matt said, hey, you're not going to hear them. So you hear a lot of a lot of Alabama fans. That's for sure. It ought to be one heck of a what? football game. I think it's going to be a great game, and uh, so and then I'll be ready. I'm planning on going to the uh, Georgia Alabama game, so I'd like to be going there with a lot, lot riding on that game too. Yeah. Anyway, it, when y'all look at Beck, does he look like he's half asleep out there? I know he's so calm and he's a great quarterback, but man, his eyes uh, it looks like he's done a couple gummies before he gets out there for a game because he's <laughs> the calmest looking guy out there I've ever seen. He looks so laid back. Okay, so Matt and I were just having this dis- this discussion, and uh, if you had, if you're a Georgia fan, would you rather have Carson Beck starting this game in the SEC championship game, or would you rather have Stetson Bennett? Uh, I'd rather have Beck because this is going to be his first game in such a big, big, huge game. Uh, How is he going to respond, even though he's a better quarterback than Stetson? Stetson just showed up at all these games. That how's a walk on win two national titles? I mean, the guy could play, and that's when he shines. So I'd rather see Beck, like we're going to see Saturday. Just see now he's he's a better quarterback. So you know, but I'm still thinking of uh, not a freshman, but a young first time out there in a big game like this. Uh, so you're I don't, saying I don't know if he'll be ready or not? You're saying I'd rather see Beck than I would say. Rather see Beck. Okay. Yeah, I'd rather see Beck because we don't know what he has. I mean, I, he's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. You got and you got Brock on the other side, but so did Stetson. He he was just a competitor. Uh, Robbie, you are so spot on, and I've noticed it in games earlier. Carson Beck just has this look, like I don't yeah. know, maybe what you described <laughs> is something yeah, like, true. He, but he went to a local CBD like store or something, yeah. This is just he's just totally unfazed. And and he and you, know, you know what? I've noticed him in, in pre and post. That's his look all the time. I mean, that's just the car look. But I'll tell you what, when he turned it around was that Auburn game. You know, Auburn was in that game and he didn't play that good. But he did make some good clutch passes there at late with uh Brock. And mm-hmm. then after that, his confidence shot up. Because the next game he wore he hasn't stopped since. So Confidence is everything as a quarterback, which we see with Milrow. 
Yeah, and um, it's really been remarkable just watching the development of Jalen Milrow from, again, uh, from Texas, uh, the benching at South Florida to now. What has most impressed you, uh, Robbie? I I think uh, one of the things that I keep thinking about is just the mental toughness that he has displayed and uh, I've even used it as sort of a teaching point with my own son, Lincoln, that I tell him all the time, how do you win? How do you win? And it's not with in golf, it's not your swing, in baseball, it's not with your bat, it's with your mind. And I feel like Jalen is winning with his mind. He is, I mean, he's one of, well, I mean, he's a great athlete as it is, and, and he's tough. Look how many hits he takes. But he does. He does not let anything affect him. What it looks like on on any play, you good players. It's how do you react after you are defeated in like a made an error throw or an interception. Like in baseball, if you went one for three, that was a good day. But how how'd you handle those two times you got out? You know, you got the one hit, but you got out twice. How do you handle those? And that's what you see with him. Nothing affects him. Like, he just keeps on battling and competing, getting over there and cutting up with Saban a lot, with, you know, putting his arm around him. I mean, he just he has a great attitude out there. But the game has uh, slowed down for him. It looks like he is more comfortable. Again, that could have something to do with Tommy uh, calling the right plays now for him um, and his offensive line giving him more time. But the guy's his, bo- his, his body language just projects, I'm a winner. You know, and it, it it's, is. Uh, I, and I love it. I love what I've seen out of him this year. He's a great story in college football. It really is. Great, great story. Love the way he's competing. Robbie, our best to striker in your family, and um, a big roll tide to you. We'll talk to you again. Roll soon. tide, and if y'all uh, need a place to eat, come on by Thursday if you want second. We'll be at the house. <laughs> hey, we'll be there. You don't have to ask me <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Love to sop up everything with a biscuit. Yeah, right. Here we go. Uh, thank <laughs> you, right, Robbie. Happy Thanksgiving, we'll guys. Talk soon. All right. Uh, when we get Man, back, I never, uh, I never heard the term "sop it up" until I moved to the South. How do you spell "sop"? Is it S O P? Okay. And it's all one word when you say "sop it up." Sop it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a reason you're staying around. You know that. You know, yeah. Right. You, you guys eat really well. You guys eat really well down here, okay? <laughs> you are an adjunct southerner. Not, uh, not, not a lot of salads for dinner. Oh. Nor do I partake in salads for dinner uh, usually. I eat them. I eat one a day usually. That's the, a rarity, I guess, for somebody born. In you actually did have a salad. salad uh, I think the last time we went out, you, uh, yep. you had a salad. I'm going to meet my son in a little while. It's probably what I'll have again. But that's. Yeah, that's justification. Yeah, then I'll just eat whatever the hell I want the rest of the week. All right, uh, when we come back, talk to Ben Tamborella, Auburn great, when we get back on Big Men Sports.
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky will stay mostly cloudy this afternoon, the high 69. Colder tonight and tomorrow, the sky mostly cloudy. The low tonight 46, the high tomorrow 54. Thanksgiving Day Thursday, partly to mostly sunny, the high 56. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. And this is Thanksgiving week. It's Alabama-Auburn week. And you get a chance to go back and take a trip or two down memory lane. That's what we're going to do here. Talking Alabama-Auburn with former Auburn center Ben Tamborello. Ben, we do this once, maybe twice a year. We ought to do it more often. How you been? Man, hey, Matt. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. I've been great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. And I'll just give you a little background. When I first moved to 13 TV in, in Birmingham and I started covering Auburn every Tuesday, um, you know how this is, Lars. You find the guys that give you a good quote. Ben <laughs> was one of those guys. Uh, hey, Man, you know he, what? It's always the O-linemen. It's always the O-linemen. You're so right. Smartest guys on the field. But you know yeah. what, Matt? You 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 threw the softballs up there, and, and I could hit them. I, I appreciate the way you handled it, the way back when. That's a long time ago. I think about 40 years ago. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, you are spot on. But um, it was a totally different time. That's back when uh, media got along with the players, media got along with the coaches. Uh, it's vastly yeah. different. Uh, I miss those days. I miss interviewing Ben and Kurt Crane, and oh, oh, it was just such a great time. God, God bless and and rest. But he was one of my favorites too. All right, that's my brother. You, he was my favorite too. Yeah, and uh, you know we used to hang out. You can't yeah. do that anymore. Um, <laughs> you just can't do it anymore. Anyway, You're we're correct. also we're also kind of close to the same age at the time. All right, um, <laughs> I want you to tell me as a freshman your first experience. I think Auburn went on to win your first Alabama Auburn game, twenty three twenty. Can you just tell me what it was like leading up and then? at the game and then winning it was it was it was surreal when i i mean i'm a freshman i'm 18 years old the first game i ever went to as a young man well as a child i was in second grade it was september 9th on my birthday uh 1972 and alabama played duke and my dad got some tickets we were in the end zone and that was the first experience i ever had of seeing that many people at one place and a football game that was that big. And and I remember uh, my freshman year running out on the field and having that same memory of how Legion Field, Coach Bryant, you know, just the things that you grow up um, just watching as a kid and aspiring to someday be there, to, to play on that field. And, and it was, it was surreal. You know, of course, uh, Bo Jackson uh, was a sophomore. I was a freshman. I started the game, and there was a bad storm in the second half. We won, but it was it was it was one of those things. I don't have a lot of memories about individual plays and all of that. I just remember the event, the venue, just being at such a uh, a, a place I'd watched for so long and being a part of that game and what it meant to me. It was it was amazing. Ben, um, 
A couple years ago, I wrote a long story on Adrian Peterson, and I was talking to Carson Palmer, who was playing with Adrian at uh, with, with Arizona, and Carson said something to me that I'd never heard before. He's like, "I hear Adrian before I see him because like his his he runs with such uh, ferocity and violence. I can hear his feet coming before I hand the ball to him." What was it like being center for Bo Jackson? You know, that was one of the coolest uh, experiences in the world. And and especially when you're playing as a freshman, because so many of our opponents, when, way back when, uh, the huddle, we would face the defense. It was a choir-type huddling. The, the five offensive line, linemen would line up 10 yards from the ball. You'd face the defense. The backs and receivers would be behind us, and the quarterback would face us away from the defense. But I would always get a kick out of Bo would, would uh, typically run onto the field a little bit late and, and he'd get in the huddle, but I would get a big kick out of the defense and watching them looking for number 34. And once they saw him, you could see their jaws drop. You, it really gave you confidence as a freshman that, hey, this guy's with me. <laughs> yeah. And I may not be that good, but he is. And so it, it, the, the longer I played with him, uh, the more I appreciated that because he he actually got better every year he played, you know, up until his senior year when he won the Heisman, and I was a junior that year. But but he was somebody that that took on the game. You know, they could they could change the game individually, and every player in the huddle, other ten guys knew that. Um, the eleven guys on the other side of the ball knew that, and they all keyed on him. But he still uh, would make the big plays and do big things, and that that would just shock you. And I can remember Coach Dye in the really big games. Coach Dye, he would talk, he would usually say the same thing before every single game, and it was, you know, the six things you need to do to win a football game, and always be courteous to the officials. I mean, he had a speech that he would give before each and every game. Uh, but in the very big games, Amen Corner, when you looked at Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, he would bring up the fact that there's three types of players. You know, there's an average player, there's a good player, and there's a great player. And he said, today the average player is going to have to play good. The good player is going to have to play great. And the great player is going to have to do something special. And it was cool because you'd all kind of be thinking about where you were in that in that, <laughs> in that, in that section of, of players. But you also knew who the great player was and who was going to do something special. And he almost always did. And that, that says a lot about him. When you ask me about you know his presence on the field or his his results from what he did playing you had an expectation and he lived up to it ben uh, can, I, can i follow up really quick okay two quick questions one you mentioned what the defense would be doing when Bo would come onto the field for the first time. But how about like in pregame warmups when they would see Bo for the first time? And also, did you play in Lincoln, Nebraska in a rainstorm? Uh, second part of that question, no. I, we never played. I never played against Nebraska. I think that was actually uh, maybe the year before I got to Auburn. But, okay, uh, so that would have been Bo's freshman year. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. No, that I was just they, the first time Auburn, I ever saw him, and I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I mean, Nebraska ended up winning the game 13-3, to I believe. But, uh, 
I, I couldn't believe it the first time I saw him. But but yeah, so the, 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 so the other part was just what did the guys on the other team look like, you know, when they saw Bo for the first time? I'll tell you a great story about that. Uh, you know, kind of what I was saying before. Uh, when I played with the Philadelphia Eagles in 1980, I think it was 1989. Um, so I was on the Eagles with guys like Reggie White and Jerome Brown, Keith Jackson, Chris Carter. I mean, these guys were all All-Americans and a lot of them all pro football players at, at Philadelphia. But we played the Raiders that year. The, the Raiders came to, to Veterans Stadium. And to kind of answer your question on a higher level, even in, in the professional ranks, um, Reggie, uh, Chris Carter, Keith Jackson, and Jerome Brown, they all came up to me, hey, Tambo, Man, you introduced us to Bo after the game. And so I've got this great picture uh, where I'm shaking hands with Bo after the game. And Jerome and and Keith Jackson and Reg are kind of waiting in the background to be introduced. I oh, mean, I you know, he, he was he was a guy that really – it's, it's so hard to explain. When I, when I see his documentaries and things, I see where, you know, guys like Howie Long or George Brett are talking about him in, in this way that I'm talking about him. And it's just amazing that he did that in every locker room that he went to, whatever sport it was. Um, I mean, it was it, it's fascinating. But, yes, I think on every level in college and in pro, guys were just mesmerized by who this guy is and his ability and the way he looked physically, but also what he did on the field. Uh, you know, it just it's it's he's one in a million. Ben Tamborello is our guest here, former Auburn standout. Ben, the first practice I ever went to with Pat Dye was just one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. I mean, you, you had guys <laughs> like Reggie Heron without a helmet on trying to recover fumbles. It was just <laughs> tough. I mean, you guys, and I, I, I set that up because Pat Dye set a new standard at Auburn, and you were a part of it. You were a part of that building process. What did Pat Dye mean to you as a football coach and as a man? Oh, he, you know, he, he I grew up uh, I, those four years at Auburn. I think it's it, college football in that period of your life is such a unique time because you have guys like Pat Dye and your assistant coaches. I had Neil Calloway and James Daniels. and But you also have players that come from all over. And back then it was all over the state of Alabama, some in Georgia, some in Florida. But from different backgrounds and, and they had different, you know, opinions on things, ideas on things. And you could you, – I mean, they're like your brothers. You could watch them and you might try to emulate some things that, that this guy did or that guy did, some guys that were older. Lionel James was, was my hero when I was a freshman. He was the smallest guy on the field, but he was probably one of the toughest and smartest on the field. And, and you know, he whenever practice would get hard, like you're saying, Coach Dye's practices were demanding, very demanding physically. Some days you didn't even know if you were going to make it through. But I can remember watching a guy like Lionel James and seeing how he would kind of pace himself when when you when you could and go full speed when you needed to. And you know you just kind of watch and learn from people like that. But Coach Dye set the tone for all of these guys and the work ethic that they had and and their mentality uh, and being physical on the on the football field and winning games that you're supposed to win. Um, just everything about it, the discipline, the doing the little things, uh, setting the goals. There's so, I mean, I could talk for, you know, 
two hours about Coach Stein, the impact he's had on my life, but also the impact that he has on my life day by day. And what he's done uh, in me being a parent and passing those things on to my, my children. He he is uh, he was a special uh, coach. You know, I don't know that they don't make them like that uh, anymore. I, uh, coach Dye was a guy that could he could motivate you just by I can remember standing um, in the stadium tunnel about to go out on the field. He'd be standing there in the front with that hat on and he'd say, come on, Ben. And I'd run through a wall hearing those words. I just he that's all he had to say for me because I had such great respect for him. But he's had so me much too. to do with me, you know. Me too. I want to ask you uh, another question about another coach when we get back. Ben, hang on just a couple more questions and we'll let you go. Ben Tamborello. Tambo is our guest on Big Moon Sports. <laughs> Championships. Throws intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide battle Auburn in the 88 Iron Bowl in the season finale. Our coverage begins at 1130 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner too. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Big Noon Sports, coming up. It is Big Noon Sports. Noah, Matt, Lars, our crew is here. We're joined by Ben Tamborello, longtime Auburn center and great, and played five years in the NFL with the Eagles. And I wanted to ask you about your recruitment. You were highly touted out of Shades Valley. And as the story goes, when Pat Dye got Bo to go to Auburn, it uh, did everything but break the camel's back. And then when you went to Auburn, you were the straw that broke the camel's back in Coach Bryant's eyes. So that's the story that goes, and that's the one I'm sticking with, Ben. But what was it like, what was it like to be recruited by Paul William Bryant? Oh, it was, it was a dream come true. I told you the first game I ever went to, was in second grade on my birthday at Legion Field, and I was an Alabama fan. I was raised an Alabama fan. And I'll never forget, I actually, I went to Shades Valley High School. I did not uh, receive any scholarship offers, so I went to a prep school, TMI, in Sweetwater, Tennessee. It was a postgraduate school. You go up there and play a season of football, and in doing so, well, we actually played the junior varsity teams of Notre Dame, Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina. But in doing that, you got some experience. You got some exposures from some T 
teams around the country, uh, you know, and I, and I needed that because I, my senior year, I was real small for offensive linemen. I went up to TMI, grew, I got big, stronger. And anyway, played against these teams and got some exposure. When Coach Bryant uh, called me, I was up at a, I was up at the TMI dorm. They didn't have cell phones back then, Matt and Lars. They, they had a, a pay phone in the corner of the dorm, uh, like where the dorm rooms met. And there was one guy that his room was right there beside the, the telephone. So every time it would ring, he'd answer it and call whoever it was for. So one night, it was a Monday night, Alabama had just beat Penn State. Uh, I think Alabama was either two or three in the country uh, at that time. They were 5-0. and oh. And I get, a phone, I get a phone call. And the guy says, hey, Tamborella's telephone. And I'm like, well, who is it? You know, and he says, well, it's Bear Bryant. And I think he's joking me. I think he's, he's kidding me. And so I walked down. I'll never forget that that telephone, that receiver hanging from the payphone. I pick it up, put it to my ear, and I hear this low voice, hello, Ben. And I thought, oh, my goodness, it's really, it's really Coach Bryant. And I can remember looking down, my knees were trembling. I mean, this guy, he had such an impact on young people, Alabama football fans, especially guys that wanted to play in the SEC. And that night on that telephone, he offered me a scholarship. He said, we'd love to see you in a red jersey. And, you know, that that was just, I'll never forget the feeling. I, I couldn't believe it was really him. I thought it was, you know, just a friend played a joke when they called that payphone. But that's the way I was introduced to Coach Bear Bryant. And um, he offered me that scholarship. And, you know, it was a dream come true. He, he um he set the tone for for college football and and in the state of Alabama, you know he was he was well respected and most anybody that that was going to play college football would have would have listened to Coach Bryant if he offered him a scholarship. Wow, I love that story, um, especially your description of the. Uh... <laughs> The, the, the rotary telephone. Yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, you uh, know, those, back then it was it was kind of it was strange because yeah, everything kind of moved at a slower pace, and you didn't necessarily. I mean, if you're not there, you didn't get the call, which is crazy. I think about that sometimes. And what I was going to say after it was out that Coach Bryant and Alabama had offered me at TMI, oh, they started rolling in. I, I started getting you know scholarship offers from everybody, uh, Kentucky. Jerry Claiborne at Kentucky, Jerry Stovall at LSU, Johnny Majors at Tennessee, Pat Dye at Auburn, you know, and it, it, it all came after Coach Bryant offered me. He was the first, uh, and and that's what kind of made, I guess, my name uh, out there or, or exposed that I was a player that, that could play for Alabama, so everybody else was calling now. So I, I that alone I owe a lot. You know the fact that that uh, that he called me and offered me, and and it, it had a lot to do with me getting offer or you know offers from other schools. Did the guy answering the phone get tired? <laughs> <laughs> he did. You know it's so funny, but it, that's what he did. I mean, it was a dorm, an L-shaped dorm room, one level, and it and it had a payphone in the corner, and nobody had a landline, nobody had a cell phone, and if your mom called, your dad called, they called on that on that payphone, and you know he he was there and he's a good guy because he didn't have to answer those phone calls but i'm glad he answered the one that night and, and uh you know the rest as they say is history ben uh looking at saturday's iron bowl matchup uh what is the path to victory for auburn to pull off the upset 
Well, the confidence uh, is going to be key this week. I think coming off of a a loss like we had on Saturday, I think we were kind of you know gaining some momentum. And and to have won four straight seven games and going into the Iron Bowl, I think that would have given us a a lot of wind in our sails. Um, I think this setback is going to make it a tough week. And uh, confidence wise, and and these players, I think what they've got to understand is is that it's a chance of a lifetime uh, to put that blue jersey on and play on Pat Dye Field uh, against Alabama. And and if you're ever going, I mean, if you've ever had a chance or a Saturday to play the best you can and do everything right to the best of your ability, this is it. And I think that's what it's going to take. Uh, Alabama is such a talented team, and they seem to be peaking. Uh, Auburn again had a setback, and I think that we've just got to to uh, take advantage of the experience that this is. You know, the X's and O's of it, everybody can talk about all that. But in the end, I think the emotion of, of Auburn, uh, the, the the greatest thing about it is the fact that they're at Jordan-Hare. And I think that crowd's going to be going crazy. And if the players give them a chance to stay in it, that the crowd stays in it the whole time like they do, they can make they can be the difference maker in any game. I don't care who you're playing. You know, New Mexico State came in as a 27-point uh, underdog and beat us 21 points, right? Well, yeah. we're, we're about a 15-point dog, and and uh, we're at home, and who knows? You know, I think the crowd, some confidence, and just play the best you can. This is a chance to do it. Ben, I'll let you go, but we got to ask one more question. Going back to your phone call in the dorm room, <laughs> why, did you, why did you end up at Auburn? Well, that is a long story, and I – I ended up, uh, you know, wanting to go to Alabama uh, initially because of Coach Bryant, because I was an Alabama fan. Um, my parents, and I'm, I'm fortunate that I listened to them, but they gave me great advice. And they said, look, you need to take your visits, go see the different campuses, talk to the different coaches. And then, you know, once you've done that, uh, decide based on those experiences. And so I decided, you know, that I would take my visits to Auburn I would take my visit to Tennessee and to LSU. Those are the really, those are really Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee were the places I would play. Um, and so I really looked at those hard, and I met those coach Johnny Majors, like I said, Pat Dye, Jerry Stelball, and Coach Bryant. The game that I went to against Alabama was the homecoming game against Southern Miss. They lost that game. Um, Alabama lost to Southern Miss uh, at at in Tuscaloosa. And it was actually the first time, I think, that it may have been the first time Coach Bryant had lost uh, in Tuscaloosa. I, I don't – it seems like it was. But after that game, I rode back to Birmingham, and I'd taken my visits to Auburn and to LSU and to Tennessee. And I thought, you know, as great as, as Alabama is and as great as Coach Bryant is, you know, he may not be around for the four years that I go to school. And and I had spent some time with Coach Dye uh, during the week of the Iron Bowl. Uh, on the practice field because my visit at Auburn was during the week. It wasn't during the game. It wasn't Saturday and Sunday. It was during the practice week. But really got to talk to him a lot. And he was so similar to Coach Bryant and had coached for Coach Bryant. And you could tell there were so many uh, things that, that he was going to you know, improve on, especially when he pointed out players like Bo Jackson, Lionel James, Tommy Agee, Donnie Humphrey, Ben Thomas, Dow Altman, Greg Carr. 
on and on and on he would talk about these players that on the practice field that were going to be really special someday and it, and it, they ended up uh Auburn went, ended up winning that game bowl over the top and it kind of made the the decision for me that I felt like Auburn was on the upswing Auburn was going to do some things the next two years um and I really didn't know where Alabama might be if coach Bryant wasn't there who would be the coach um so that that the 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 I guess the grant the solid I guess foundation that Dow was building in the future and how promising it looked. That's what ended up making the difference for me. And I, it goes back to advice I got from my parents. You know, take your visits, let the dust settle, and then decide. Ben, I can uh, truthfully say and speak for Lars as well. This is absolutely one of the best interviews we've ever done. You've just been oh, incredible. Yeah, well, you, you know, and, and that's, you know, you and I are buds, man. We go back 40 years, but that's from the heart, man. And that's from a guy that's been doing it for a long time. Thank well, you, you're Tambo. so kind. Yeah, My you're pleasure. Good. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Yeah, you too. Ben Tamborello joining us on Big Noon Sports. When we get back, let's go to Macon. Let's go to Macon. Listen to some blues. Coming up next on the Stingray Show. As Rivalry Week continues, we are going to dive further into the Alabama-Auburn game as well as the Mississippi State-Ole Miss game, LSU-Texas A&M, and of course, the big game outside of the SEC in Michigan versus Ohio State. That is all on the Tuesday evening edition of the Stingray Show. You do not want to miss a Rivalry Preview Show. Tune into the Stingray Show, Tuesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. on Tide 100.9. With Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky will stay mostly cloudy this afternoon, the high 69. Colder tonight and tomorrow, the sky mostly cloudy. The low tonight, 46, the high tomorrow, 54. Thanksgiving Day Thursday, partly to mostly sunny, the high 56. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Taking phone calls. It's the week of the Alabama-Auburn game. And we'll do this till 2. We'll do it again tomorrow. We'll be on from noon to 2. So if you're planning on calling, get your ducks in a row like George from Macon does. Every time he dials 205-342-9904. Hey, what's going on down in uh, Macon? Did y'all get some bad weather? Oh, yeah, we're involved with it right now, um, Matt. And uh, it's, uh, it looks like it wants to stop raining, but then it starts back again. It's definitely overcast, and I think we're going to have rain off and on all day today and also tomorrow. Well, most of it went south of Birmingham, so you got to stay safe. <laughs> safe. Safe and dry. You got it, partner. Listen, we're talking about Auburn and Alabama, and when you know, listening to everybody talk, several thoughts come to my mind. As I said before, I've been an Alabama fan that I can remember since 1960. You know, I remember '60 Leroy Jordan. You know, own up to Joe Namath, Ken Stabler, and own up to today. And uh, I live in Macon now, and I lived in Georgia the last, I guess, 40 years. But I went to high school in, in Birmingham, and the first thing that I remember that kind of brings up the uh, makes me think, you know, that gets my momentum going to be 
uh, being an Alabama fan and disliking Auburn. I can remember Pat Sullivan when he played at John Carroll High School. And so um, some friends of mine went to John Carroll also, and I remember when Pat Sullivan committed and decided he was going to go to um, Auburn, and he made the statement, as long as I'm in Auburn, we're going to beat Alabama. And that kind of held true, you know, Sullivan to Beasley until his senior year. And I remember I was at the game at Legion Field his senior year. And I mean, uh, this I will say about Terry Beasley. He took some shots that were unbelievable that today would be illegal. And we beat him. And so that made me happy. And then I remember, obviously, 1972, I was in the stadium, Legion Field. And like you said, back then it was 50-50. And I can remember about four minutes to go. You know, we it, and also when you went to a game, and um, a buddy of mine, you know, I went to Sanford, but he went, you know, went to Alabama, and we get he get me a student ticket, and you go have to go three or four hours already to get a decent seat. They hand out shakers, and I can remember all those crimson shakers just shaking like crazy, just shaking like crazy because we knew we we're going to win. And then Greg Gant gets back there. You know, Newton um, blocks it, and I think a Langer takes it in. And I knew him from high school. And I thought, well, you know, we're still ahead. We're still ahead. We're still ahead. And then when it happens again, it was like it was in slow motion. And then you saw all those Auburn, you know, blue and orange shakers going crazy. And it was a surreal-type moment. I mean, it was really unbelievable. And, you know, it goes back to, um, you know, the uh, Jordan Hare uh, voodoo didn't start at Jordan Hare, but it started right then and there. And then I was thinking about, you know, you were asking, you know, why these, do these crazy things happen at Jordan Hare? Well, back then, I don't know what it's like now, but if you went to an Auburn game, the first, after you went one time, you would never go again because it was traffic and, it, and the roads you had to take to get to Auburn, and you would say, I'm never going again. So I'm thinking that, you know, when Auburn games are going on, there are not many, you know, Bama fans or whoever the opposition, there's not that many fans there. So the stadium is full of Auburn, you know, fans and students. And that, you know, not only is it, you know, the the acoustics for loud stadiums, but because you have that, you know, mostly probably 95% Auburn fans, 5% opposition, and that is why, you know, I think crazy things happen. You get all that positive energy towards them. And, you know, I think that's why crazy things happen along with, if you ever watch Auburn play, their defense looks so quick and their defensive backs, whoever is the defensive back coach going back to Bill Oliver to today, they really do coach well and really coach quickness and hard hitting. And I think that they, that causes those bad fumbles or good fumbles for them. And that's why I think that, you know, to beat Alabama, you got to have those type plays like a Ole Miss, the tip that should have been an interception, but was a touchdown for them. And also, you know, the prayer at Jordan Haber, Georgia, those type plays are created by defensive backs and safeties coming up really, really quick, hitting hard and being fast. And those, those are kind of, you know, my thoughts when we start talking about Alabama-Auburn, what are your thoughts about what I had to say? Well, when you started on the uh, defensive back subject, 
I started thinking back to, um, I think it was 82, that um, Jeremiah Castile got called for pass interference. You remember that? Absolutely. And it was a, it was feigned at best. I mean, <laughs> if they'd have done replays over and over, it, it, everybody would have gone, wow, uh, that was not <laughs> pass interference. But um, that helped. That helped Auburn go on to victory in that particular game. But uh, that was back when they, you know, they always played it at Legion Field. Um, George, I'll, I'll tell you this real quick and get your response. But that was when I was first cutting my teeth and going to that game and walking around the field, Legion Field, on the surface, behind Coach Bryant standing next to the goalposts and seeing, and I know, you know, and, and you'll win the argument. If you say it wasn't 50-50, yeah, it leaned more towards Alabama. But it was a unique atmosphere. And you'd hear, and then the, the bands would get together on the field and, and play the national anthem. Uh, they'd play their alma maters first and the national anthem in unison. It's just a special feeling. And that's gone. And I miss it. I understand why they want to play in Tuscaloosa and Auburn now. But I don't think people notice this until I tell them. But I don't call it the Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl was in Birmingham. That's like calling the Orange Bowl the Orange Bowl and playing in Atlanta. I mean, iron is Birmingham. Iron is indigenous to yeah. the very fabric Red of Mountain. the Magic City. And the reason they call it the Magic City is because it had iron, it had ore, it had uh, water, and it had limestone. That's the Magic City. That's the Iron Bowl. And I know it's really easy to call it the Iron Bowl now, and I'm okay with those that say it. But to me, I'll call it the uh, Auburn-Alabama game, you know, or the Alabama-Auburn game, just depending on where it is. But uh, you and I share a lot of a lot of memories. Let me ask you this, Lars, and you got to remember, I'm a you know diehard Alabama fan, and I can remember uh, when uh, who coined Iron Bowl was it? Shook Jordan, and I thought. I thought that it did when I read it in the paper. He said this was like the Iron Bowl. And because he was the one who suggested it, I will never say the Iron Bowl. Is that true? Did he coin calling the Auburn-Alabama game the Iron Bowl? Matt, do you know, do you know the answer to that one? I, I don't. Uh, I'll Jordan. Look, I'll have to look it, it says up. says right here. Uh, is credited with actually coining it. Uh, reporters asking in 1964 how he would deal with the disappointment of not taking his team to a bowl game. He responded, we've got our bowl game. We have it every year. It's the Iron Bowl in Birmingham. Can you believe I remember that? That's yes, really I impressive, can. George. Hey, George, I, I <laughs> do want to, George, I want to ask you a question. All right. Okay. If you're, uh, let's say uh, in this make-believe scenario, you're at a dinner party and uh, somebody from Montana is sitting next to you and they ask you, why do people care in Alabama so much about this thing they call the Iron Bowl? What what would your response be? Okay, first off, um, it's Southern football. Second off, you got to re- you got to remember I was raised with football with Bear Bryant. Also, everybody was always um, when you are young, really you had to choose Alabama or Auburn. And whoever loses that game takes a beating for a whole year. And it's just a, it's a very prideful thing. And when you're in grammar school, at least when I was in grammar school and high school, 
your jacket was one of those uh, hoodie type jackets that zipped up and it either had Alabama on the back and it was crimson and white or Auburn. I mean, it's just something that is the one thing in the state of Alabama football that you can be proud of because at that time when we were young, when I was young, you know, Alabama, even though it was called the Magic City and even though you had Red Mountain and Vulcan and all that sort of thing, on the news was always the uh, racial aspect that is not something that you're very proud of, but you could be proud of. Alabama football and then the division started between Alabama and Auburn. And you discussed it. It didn't matter whether it would be during the season, during the winter, during the spring, during the summer. You could crank up a conversation and discuss who was going to be better, how we're going to be this year. And it's just extremely, extremely important and a very prideful thing. And um, this I will say about um, Nick Saban and Bear Bryant. Of course, if you're against us or in opposition, they probably take a different type view of it. But Alabama fans are very knowledgeable on football. And the reason being, when Bear Bryant would have his show, he would map out plays of why this would work and why that would work. And he would always say, let's win with class and let's lose with class. And uh, even though uh, on YouTube, Nick Saban, you can watch his show. I wish it was on TV like it used to be. Because he really, when he maps out a play, he's very knowledgeable and it's really a lot. It was fun to listen to, especially if you're a football fan. But to answer your question... Alabama and Auburn fans are very prideful of Southern football, and it just means so much. It's something, back then, it was the only thing that we did that was great. And when Alabama was national championship lately and when Auburn was, you can say one thing. We can play some daggone football, guys. And, you can, and, 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 and I know, um, Lars, you're a big Nebraska fan. Yep. But I can't believe it, that you all can be more intense than Alabama and Auburn fans. Oh no, I, we, we no, we can't. No, I, I've, I've said that many times. It's it's not it's uh, not even apples and oranges. It's apples and grapefruits. Uh, but uh, I'll also add, and I apologize for the background noise here. Um, in the in the research and that I've done and what I've written about is that the reason or one of the reasons why. Uh, football matters so much in the South it can be traced back to the Civil War because there was this feeling that one Confederate soldier was worth two Union soldiers on the battlefield. Wow. And then, uh, so that 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 the, the culture has been imbued with this sense of toughness and resolve, and then you combine that with the fact that uh, Alabama, for a long time, almost felt like a foreign country to the rest of the United States because of the economic problems, because of the racial problems, and and then yeah, it, it became like, hey, you know what? You guys can laugh about us about one thing, but come Saturday, we're going to knock you right in the mouth. And that's why the 1926 right. Rose Bowl was so profoundly important. Which Alabama absolutely. won. And absolutely. I mean, um, that's what kills me when they talk about the Rose Bowl being, you know, the granddaddy of it all. Well, the last time we were able to play in it, we won and um, it's just, I mean, it's just, being an Alabama fan and being, you know, being raised in Alabama, 
it's about the one thing that we can really be proud of and something that nobody can take away from you and nobody can beat you. I mean, okay, you talk football, who's better? Who's going to win? And I, and, and, and I think it's so apropos that the two greatest football coaches ever are Nick Saban and Bear Bryant and their coach at Alabama. I mean, you can talk about the, oh, um, the Aaron Parsegans or any of the old Notre Dame coaches and that sort of thing, but nobody has won more than those two coaches. You are so right. national championships. George, thank you for your call. Great Have call, Have a blessed George. afternoon. And, and Great George, call. please call back soon. I want to get into your background, George. Yeah. I think you should be hosting the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, listen, guys, roll tide. Right, you know what the funny thing about it is, for some reason, I can remember everything because my brother and all, when we, excuse my brother, when we were really, really young, we would run to get either the Post-Herald or the um, Birmingham oh, News yeah, and read that sports page. And I mean, for some reason, guys, I can remember it just like I remember the Iron Bowl. Hey, you know, George, and that's we why we're really, not... We really got to go, man up against the top of the hour. I don't mean to cut you off because you're the last person I would want to do that. But anyway, we got to get out of here. Eli Gold at noon tomorrow on Big Noon Sports.